I used to sit in the preschool in tears. All the man really has to do on the day of birth is find a good parking spot. <laughs> Dad, Dad, catch this. Boom, I've done a poo. Stop stabbing your sister. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Sometimes it's difficult to connect with other parents. Sometimes it's difficult to just get out of the house. So we created the Parent Panel, a mixture of intelligent conversation and just a bit of mockery of all things parenting. We choose our adults carefully and today we have two very qualified, wise and enlightened parents. You may know Zoe Norton Lodge from her work on The Checkout, The Letdown or the podcast The Story Club. She's also a writer, author and mum of a little boy. Zoe, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And Andrew Barnett is a comedian who regularly treads the boards around Sydney and in his off time practices his G-rated jokes. This is what I'm assuming here anyway, Andrew, on his two sons. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me. I was going to say bad jokes because you're a dad, but I didn't think that was fair. Yeah, the, we, <laughs> the boys, my, my two sons, um, they're constantly trying to tell me jokes, but they, they, they're getting better. Oh, God, tell me they do, because my kids, when they tell me jokes, I just look at them blankly going, there's nothing remotely funny about that. No, the, the jokes they've heard are better than the jokes they make up. Oh, yes, exactly. So the jokes they make up often just don't make sense. No. It's a, it's a good non sequitur and it's like, ah, oh, it's good, buddy. Just keep working on that. Good for your ego then that your jokes are always better than your small children's. Yes, exactly. We've got a, we got a bit of a competition in my house because um, my wife insists that she's the funny one um, oh. despite all evidence. And so the kids use that as a way to uh, play favourites between us. And it's like, yeah, mum, mum, maybe mummy is the funny one, dad. Oh. Like, oh, yeah, right. Good They're one. Yeah, when she's with paying that, the bills they? with comedy, let we'll talk. <laughs> You've got all that to look forward to, Zoe. Oh, indeed. I reckon. Um, now, today we're going to be talking about whether parenting labels are unhelpful. Should Santa Claus be more multicultural? And the grossest things about parenting that you have come to accept as normal. But first up, we're going to speak about whether or not Lego for adults will help chill us out. Oh no! Dr. Porkchop's attacking the haunted bakery! Pew, pew, pew. The ghosts are getting away! <laughs> what are you? Stop them! Buzz Lightyear to the rescue! There is news this week that Lego have invented a new type of toy for adults. It's called Lego Forma and it's designed to help adults have some me time and to chill out. There are four models. There's a three fish and a shark and you assemble them. And uh, once you've put them together, there's like a little lever you turn and it moves. Zoe, would this work for you? Uh, do you find Lego calming? Uh, no, this would not work for me because when <laughs> I want to calm down, I want to move as far away from any toys as I possibly can. <laughs> and I want to turn out the lights and I want to turn down all the sound and have absolutely no stimulation. I cannot think of anything <laughs> less relaxing than adult Lego. Also, regular Lego, fine. If you if that's what how you want to calm down, it's, it's, there, it's there already. But no, no thank you, not for me. Maybe if I wanted to sort of induce a small panic attack, I might sort of <laughs> get amongst the adult Lego but uh, not for coming purposes. What about you, Andrew? I have to agree. This is ridiculous. Because uh, <laughs> I, I actually have my youngest boy is Lego obsessed. And um, we've, like, I've, I've got to be say I am an enabler. Um, Lego Juniors, I when I've helped him do that, reasonably relaxing. Once you get into something that's like a 7 to 12 age group, there's nothing relaxing about putting <laughs> it together be on your skills that. at that point. Though. Oh my God. And the pitches don't make sense. You're turning it around. He's knocked the Lego everywhere. There's nothing relaxing about it. Is it worse than assembling a piece of Ikea furniture though? That's the question. 
It's it's up there. It's, it's essentially <laughs> wow. training for IKEA in your later years, which is why it's important to let the kids try and do the Lego themselves. I have seen though that um, there's a new Harry Potter series of Lego out, and that kind of seems a little bit enticing. No. Yeah, my other son's Harry Potter obsessed, so we've got a lot of that Harry Potter Lego. There's any movie that comes out now. There's a Lego series. They've I don't know. They've done something with Marvel. So, um, my my youngest boy for Christmas wants this uh, horrendous. His favorite. He likes the, all the superheroes, but he likes the villains more than he likes the superheroes. He's a he's an odd kid, but <laughs> um, his his favorite villain is Venom. Um, so the new Venom movie that came out, all I got was... My God, was, you didn't take him, did you? No, God, no. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> Hashtag parent judgment here. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. It's, and it, it, but this is the thing. Like, Why do we need more relaxing stuff for adults? Every superhero made movie now is made for 40-year-old nerds. Like, It's not like there's not enough stuff just for parents anyway, like, or for adults anyway. Like, Let's just let the toys be the mm. kids' thing. What, so you were mentioning, Zoe, that you want to be somewhere with the lights out and just chilling out, no distractions. Is there anything that you would do, an activity you would do that would calm you down? How what? do you feel about colouring in? Oh, look, oh look, I'm actually really, really, really bad at Pictionary, so I think colouring in would stress me out too. <laughs> I've actually had a lot of luck. The worst one I had was I attempted to go to one of those mums and bubs sessions because I've still got a small baby. Yep. And... The movie they played, because you know you don't get a choice, obviously, was Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow. <laughs> wow. Have you seen that film? No. Okay. No, I can it is the most like vi- sexually violent film I have ever seen, and it's the first film my kid has ever seen. That. That's <laughs> ever. Uh, it was. Wow. It was. I've never felt like more unqualified. I mean, I usually feel pretty unqualified to be a mum, but this was like a real low point. It was only about six weeks old, so I mean, it's all been uphill from there. That's probably the worst thing I've done. So that's something at least. Well, I did go to see a mums and bubs session of Planet of the Apes, which was wrong for other reasons because it's just full of gunfire, and I thought he'd sleep through it. And then I was, what was I thinking? Yeah, that's a noisy film. But to what expect. were they thinking? This Good is the point. question. It's not your fault. You're the mum. You only get to go to this one. The Session. one that's on, right? Yes. So, really, yeah, I let's mean... Let's blame the cinemas. I think yeah. that's a good idea, Zoe. I think definitely blaming the cinemas. Mm. Are there any other toys or things that help you chill out that you might skulk into your kid's room and nick any time? Uh, any ball that's floating around the house, like anything I can... Uh, uh, that's just Kick, a leftover. punch, throw? No, throw. Throw, right. throw against a wall, throw to... I, I still have adult male friends. If we're talking and there's a football in the room, it, the football gets thrown back and forth. And that initiates conversation for some reason, but oh, um, it's just... That's it's a, a new tip for session. anyone dealing in a, a men's group. Get men's talking by yeah. throwing a ball around. It's just that one thing to do to like occupy your hands so you don't know you're having a... Um, just for other listeners as well, women do have hands too, so women can throw <laughs> the football oh, back and forth as well. But just... we can also talk. No, I'm not, I'm not. Sorry, I didn't mean to suggest. <laughs> uh, I just haven't come across as many... <laughs> As many women Maybe who you're want to not invited to hang out with them as much. <laughs> no, probably not. I've got to say, this one woman is not very coordinated. Plus, I would not want someone throwing a ball around in the house. I already yell at my kids that's, about that. That's the thing. Every time, like my wife, very, very coordinated, played sport her whole life, but um, she has this obsession with no balls in the house. Which I is... wonder why. <laughs> Breakables? Wow. Right, yes. Windows? Probably. Lights? But... I feel like I'm giving you a roasting now. Let's move on. <laughs> it's not fair. Um, look, parenting comes with its own lab- labels, mainly stay at home or working. But are these labels helpful?
I'm a free spirit, Vince. Yeah? Yeah, I can't be hemmed in. People try, they try to put me in a box, but I break free. Who's trying to put you in a box? It's the nature of me. It's the nature of Howard Moon. Who's trying to put you in a box? Well, people, you know. The man. Have you contacted the police about this? No, the man. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? What are you on about? People are always trying to put people in boxes. No one's trying to put you in a box. <sighs> You're the wrong size for a start. Let's forget about this conversation, OK? How would you even get in a box? I don't want to talk anymore. Read your magazine. That's Howard Moon and Vince Noir talking on the Mighty Bush about being labelled. And as a parent, you eventually fall into one of two categories. You're either a stay-at-home parent or a working parent. But these categories don't work for everyone. This week, Carla G spoke about being a writer and a mum in an article. She said, while I'm not bothered by labels or definitions, it seems like many modern parents are. There's the sneaky questions they ask to easily understand or categorise the new mum they've met, they've just met. Admittedly, I feel like this is something that women may face more than men, but I am curious, Andrew, as a comedian, I'm assuming you don't work a nine-to-five job, um, do you find other parents um, struggle in how to place you or or label you or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, at times, especially when the kids were little, like I suppose I was the the stay-at-home dad, um, which which actually worked brilliantly because I I was home all day with the kids and I could go out to gig at night. It was, it was pretty, um, it was actually a good sort of a lifestyle, uh, at that stage. But I mean, now they're at school, it's a, it's not as easy to justify having time in the day. Um, but I mean, yeah, people do like, I think other, especially at kids sports, like last year I was doing, um, I was doing a, a bit of touring and I did a few cruise ships. And so I was away on these, these cruises for like seven days on my own and, and then I'd come home and I'd be, you know, up at the, up at kids sport on a Saturday morning and the other dads and even the mums just thought oh, I would like, how good's your life? <laughs> like you just get a holiday middle of the week and like, it's not a holiday. I'm, this is work. Like it's not. And I'm trapped on a boat that I can't escape. Well, the thing is, the thing is too, is I, I would say that kids ruin everything for you because when you're at home and you need that break, you're just like, oh man, just some time to myself. Like if I could go away for a couple of days, but it, all it takes for me is a day and a half away and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the kids are doing. Like, I'm, And so there's no way to really be happy. You're either thinking, fantasizing about time on your own or you're fantasizing about time with your kids. Either way, it's not like particularly, uh, yeah, you're not, never satisfied. Yeah, that's that sums it up pretty well. Um, Zoe, you do so many different things. Mm. Um, have you found since becoming a mother that other mums in particular are trying to fit you into a box? Oh, not really. Um, I, I mean, I've only had great experiences with, with other mums. Like my mother's group are the most lovely bunch of of girls and they they actually come and support me they'll come to story club and I've kind of I'm a bit of a workaholic I actually so I I wrote a a book I'm not just saying that to plug my book but it's a kid's book called Elizabella Meets Her Match and And where can we get that you can get that at all (laughs) the bookstores and all the bad bookstores too actually I don't discriminate but um the reason I bring that up is because I um finished that book and then I had my baby eight hours later they were both they were both incredibly overdue uh and it was uh it was a really big day uh, so I kind of started this whole motherhood journey uh, in an absolute work frenzy. And I think ha- being a freelance, I kind of related to something in that article, which was that it's just, it's kind of feast or famine. You kind of feel like, you know, I often feel, and you might feel the same, that it's hard to turn things down, even yeah. when it's a little bit much, really. Mm. 
Um, but we're quite lucky that uh, my kid is the first grandchild on two in two families. <laughs> oh, uh, four sweet. basically retired uh, grandparents, all kind of in the area. So it's um, it's really you know all hands on deck. So we I've got a huge amount of support, which has enabled me to have a kind of do a ludicrous. Uh, I mean, some people would describe it as a silly amount of of work for someone as a nine month old. <laughs> It, well, I did when I was reading out everything that you've, you've, you do and have been doing. I'm like, wow, how does she manage? It is a lot of stuff. That's the thing people ask me more than – I mean, maybe they, if they look, if they're judging me, they're doing it very, very politely behind my back. And I, <laughs> I respect that. So that's, that's nice of them. With your career, though, you've probably had – like people have probably – fascinated with how you describe your career anyway because you do so many different things like Mm. it's not like a linear job no it's not a linear job and I must say you know I'd all I'd suspected that some of the work I did in tv would prep me for the sleep deprivation and people like no it won't no it won't you don't understand it did it really (laughs) did I was like oh yeah no this is similar to not sleeping except you're at home and not in an edit suite so and and you can lie down and sleep when you need to or maybe you did that in the edit suite oh look we've all slept in an edit suite from time to time you know my (laughs) colleagues it happens to the best of us um and so in terms of that labeling you haven't come across like whether people need you to be a stay-at-home mum or a working mum anything like what uh, Carla was talking about in that article I mean it's fun it's interesting I feel like a lot of mothers feel very judged all the time and I think that's really really sad and maybe it's just arrogance or ego but I just don't feel judged and I think or Give maybe it time. yeah well that's it and that people are always saying stuff like that Give, like it's in I feel like I'm constantly batting away negative thoughts about what's you know anyone who's got kids older is like you're about to go through this terrible time anyone who's just a little further ahead on the journey and I actually find that a really curious compulsion that people have and I think it might be because they didn't get that enough like maybe some people feel like they were let down you know weren't weren't told how difficult things were going to be whereas I feel like I'm just constantly being told that the next stage of my life is going Going to be horrific, and I'm constantly surprised that it's actually quite nice. Yeah, look, it's uh, and the only way is up if everyone dumps on you all the time. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a blessing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think else I, th- is I think people do mean it in a in a it, as a blessing, but I do find it quite bizarre that I, that people feel a compulsion to tell me or when they first meet me that the next part of my life is going to be difficult. I find that a very weird compulsion. I think it's very common in parenting. Very common. Because Mm. I remember when I was pregnant, everyone telling me about um, how bad labor was going to be. That I found was curious because there was no way I was going to get out of it. I know. One way or another. You might have children that sleep through the Mm. night. You might have children who never tantrum, unlikely, but you might, it might not bother you, but you have to go through labor. Yeah. And I remember once someone actually describing how hard labor was and I was terrified. And I remember thinking, look, I I don't know. I'm going to have to do it anyway. Do you need to tell me the details? I I was blown away by the amount of um, male humans who lectured me about not taking pain relief during labor. Oh, I was, really? Yeah, I'm not even It's just They a, told you not to take it. They were like, they "Oh said- no, it's much better. I've seen it happen. It's much better to like as in more than more than one male human being uh, dead to speak these words to me <laughs> while I was pregnant." And, I mean, it's honestly, it's it's amazing. So I just find like I just basically tune my strategy as a parent is to tune out about 98% of what anybody tells me. It's a good good that, strategy. That uh, any I just can't believe any male would dare do that. I, my approach to when my wife was pregnant and the labor thing was labor was largely none of my business. I had to hand ice cubes, I had to do what the doctor or my wife told me to do and that was my job. 
that yeah. was that was Good. cool. That was all I could do at that stage. Mm. It's one of the times when I felt most useless. So my, um, my fam- and I'm useless. My- so. <laughs> Not we've already talked about how you bring in an income from comedy. Come on, I remember in um, the labour suite, my husband fell asleep because I wouldn't let him leave the labour ward, and um, I think I was in the process of holding his hands. I was in the middle of the contraction, and I was I was sucking on the gas. There was lots of gas. I was probably a little bit high, and I heard this really familiar sound, and I'm like. That's odd. This this is something I think I associate with home, but I'm in a hospital and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized my husband was snoring. <laughs> <laughs> He'd fallen asleep while holding my hands. Oh, and all that. I said was, you've got to be joking. But the, the poor man hadn't slept for, yeah. you know. And there I was. I mean, there, there are those stories. But um, I will say that there were two men that said to me when I was working and I was telling them these stories about labor and how... Everyone was freaking me out. And again, once they come, the lack of sleep, all of that stuff. And he said, these two men said, you know what? Every age your children are is a delight for some reason. And people don't say that enough. And I'm like, Mm. no, they don't. It was so nice to hear it. Yeah, it's true. Mm. It's so true. Let's change things, people. Let's go out from today, from onwards. It's all going to be brilliant, except for the judgment. Sorry, Zoe. <laughs> what are you going to do? Your kid, <laughs> your kid will be brilliant, though. You're listening to The Parent Panel. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Zoe Norton-Lodge, performer and author of Elizabella Meets Her Match, and comedian Andrew Barnett. Up next, is it time we embraced a more multicultural Santa? <laughs> are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. <laughs> you're Santa. What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Happy birthday, of course. <laughs> you disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. That's Will Ferrell in Elf, taking issue with someone who was playing Santa in a toy shop. It's only a month until Christmas and chances are the big man in red is going to start making an appearance on street corners and in shopping centres across the country. In Adelaide, Aboriginal man Arthur Butler has decided it's time Santa Claus was more representative. He saw an ad that asked for a Caucasian man for Santa Claus, but he said his beard, tummy and happy attitude made him a perfect candidate for the job. Is it time that those who hire fill-ins for the big man embrace cultural diversity or should some traditions be left alone? Zoe, what do you think? Well, I mean, of course. he. I saw he looked like the perfect Santa. I didn't even, I mean, I feel a bit naive saying this because I swear I've seen diverse Santas before. I mean, obviously it's not very, very common, but of course, I mean that's that's completely ridiculous. It's made up. It can be whatever ethnicity <gasps> you like. What, Zoe? <laughs> what are you talking about? Santa's real. But they're the representatives, though. That's what, this is the thing with the kids. I this is a I you know everyone says we need to care more. We need to care more. I think sometimes we need to care less. And this is one of the areas. Like if there's a Santa of whatever the ethnicity, who cares? Like the kids are still going to want to sit there. Tell that Santa what they want for Christmas. They're going to be excited to see him. If you don't, if it's it's not a big deal unless you make these sort of things a big deal. It's and the story all has to be whatever anyway. you make it because uh, you 
going to have to explain why Santa's in several shopping centres yeah. at one time. Well, this is anyway. the thing. My kids know they're, they're Santa's representatives. He can't be everywhere all the time. So he, they're, they're people. He gets out there to, to basically get the lists for him so he doesn't have to be everywhere at once. He's running a massive toy building operation. Like True. multinational. This is huge, it's this big, operation. Big work. I feel like, you know, look, my, my kid is way too young to even, I, I've got no no idea what's, what's going to happen. But I feel like a lot of kids, there's a bit of a sort of contract going on where kids are quite <laughs> happy to pretend that Santa's real. They don't care where he's from, whatever. They, I mean, yeah, he looks different in every shopping center. You know, they're not, they're not stupid, but like, you know, it's, Largely to their benefit to continue to continue, believe. Continue, uh, I think I, I believed until I was thirteen. <laughs> Kept that, going. Can I still have the Santa sack? I don't think I ever. I, I know this sounds crazy. I don't think I ever believed in Santa. It just was so <gasps> I'm stupid. My heart, oh my goodness! Sorry. What That's, are we? Uh, we're going to have to do oh, some work here, Andrew. This, this is the start of a Christmas special right now. I this is, is the uh, end of the first act. <laughs> we're about to go in, and uh, yeah, well, there's going to be a montage pretty soon of us teaching you to decorate things. Zoe. And, Get bringing... to the bottom of my Christmas trauma. Mm. Yes. Well, there's a few photos to demonstrate why children have a Christmas trauma, like a fear of Santa. Anyway, those photos are brilliant. No, no, I'm going to have to work on that, Zoe, because Santa is the best thing ever. I'm sorry. Well, exactly. I think maybe, I think, you know, when my kid's a little bit older and he pretends that Santa's real as well, maybe, <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll come to embrace him in whatever. All right. He's nine months old, Andrew. We've got a couple of years to work on Zoe and then to work on her son. Oh, okay, this is going to be. Get in and you're going to be. Have you seen Christmas with the Cranks? Your house is going to be unbelievable. Oh you're going to be the, the spirit of Christmas. You're going to be listed nightmare. on all those websites. <laughs> all those websites of where are the best Christmas lights. Your house. Guys, and we can get a Christmas elf as well. Yes. You haven't even heard okay, it. I'm going to emigrate. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Christmas is everywhere. <laughs> you cannot escape us. Our final topic this week in just a moment. What do you accept now as a parent that you never would have before having children? This is the grossest thing I've ever seen. God, what is that? Oh, how gross. What on earth is that? I remember being a teenager and seeing a mum pick up a soggy piece of biscuit that her kid had been eating and didn't want to eat anymore and she just popped it in her mouth. And I thought it was the grossest thing I had ever seen at the time. Now I'm a parent, I'd have to say I can see the logic in what she did. I mean, it was too hard to go find the bin and it was food and she hadn't eaten since, I don't know, the night before. So it makes sense to me now. There are a few things I wouldn't have dealt well with before I had a kid and now I think, yeah, it's all right. Andrew, what do you accept now that you never would have tolerated before children? Oh, all sorts of stuff. One of the things, though, when we when we first had kids, one of the biggest differences, and my mum was the one that actually pointed it out to me, and I, it hadn't even occurred to me at the time, was probably when you have a newborn, just that willingness to put your nose to the backside of another human <laughs> being to check if they've soiled themselves. Because um, before we had kids, for me, very rare. Um, <laughs> you didn't just no, put your nose no, to someone's butt. Once a month, maybe, right? But, um, you, you know, newborn, that's that can be, or even up to when they finish wearing nappies, that can be every day, and you do, you just write in, yep. Always two sniffs, too, which is weird, because you know mm. after the yeah. first sniff. Um, <laughs> so that cynical part of your brain, just let's just double-check that smell. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird instinct that I never knew I'd have, but... The thought of, I think, too, the big difference is your own kids. 
stuff's way less gross when it's your own kids than other people's kids or just random kids. It's just yes. the stuff you'll accept with your own kids is is another level. That's true. That's true. What about you, Zoe? Because it's been nine months. I think probably the the thing that I would do without hesitation that I cannot imagine, you know, it, past Zoe doing is sucking out a booger. <laughs> oh, yeah. How cool. That's oddly satisfying, Hold on, hold on. With a, with a... So I do have, there's the little sort of contraption thing. Yes. But also there's been occasions when the contraption hasn't been to hand. And, you know, you could try with a finger, but my finger's like 10 times the size of this wee nostril. So I've actually gone in there and At least our producer is gagging in the background. Do you know, though, because I thought when you said sucking for some weird reason, I thought you were actually using your mouth. I'm like, no, that's beyond gross. Oh, you're looking at no, me straight now. Yeah, You've yeah, used yeah. your mouth to yeah, yeah. suck boogers ha- yeah, out yeah, of his I ha- nose. Yeah, I've had to. When when I haven't had the contraption to pull them out, and if it's just there and you can't use your finger, just a you little... Yeah. You didn't give it a little yeah. squeeze really? on the outside. And I can't oh, tell if you're not, bullshitting it's me. Not, no, no, no. It's not, it's not a... Look, it's not a first uh, plan. It's not a plan A. It's a backup. Uh, yeah, Let's just put it that way. It's like plan D. You know, yeah. but I but I've I have um yeah, actioned not... Plan D yes. in the past, and I have been surprisingly uh, fine with it. No, that's good, and, and I do admit when and when you were saying that about the squidgy thing, Andrew, I found that so satisfying when my kids were small if they would keep their head, head still enough just to suck it out. That, yeah, there is something, especially I, I got. I'm thinking. Sorry, I'm, my boys are much much older than your um, your child, so at nine months, a booger isn't. They're not the same. No, it's not the same, and that because that's the thing, and that's what I mean about your kids. When it's your baby, then yeah, yeah there's not. Uh, Elise a whole lot isn't about convinced. It. She's she's shaking her head. Let's all keep, take a note. So when Elise has a baby, we'll go come back to her and see whether she's okay with snot and sucking out the snot. I just remember something else gross, actually. Oh please, oh, yeah. yeah. So when um, so I like I ended up after blah blah long story ended up having like an emergency cesarean, and so I was sort of you know on the endone for a while and what have you. So anyway, look, th- that's nice. just to preface this by like, at this point, like there was some drugs causing through ex- my system. Right? That explains the movie choice, taking a child yeah. to such a <laughs> oh, terrible film. Anyway, I remember just one morning ch- I was changing a nappy and I looked and it was when like he still had a little umbilical stub yep. and I was like, something about this is wrong like something is wrong and it took me so long to work out that it just had come off and was just sitting somewhere else on his body um <laughs> but i just couldn't put like i was so out of it i couldn't work out Why what was what was normal? it's like oh, so he had a haircut it's like no his umbilical cords <laughs> like just on his leg for some reason i was expecting much worse but that that makes well sense. it was pretty good i mean and then also i considered ke- i didn't keep it but i considered keeping it and then i was like no that's just a piece of weird organ that was in your body that just throw you that in the bin like you didn't throw- eat your placenta oh no i ate my placenta didn't you no yeah no, no. uh did I, you fry I, it up and i didn't my my husband said that it was um it was intimated that he could take it home and it was like kind of done up like a little tr- trust chicken and he was like really not interested where did that happen that is oh no sorry he was born in a cult situation that's 
That's unbelievable. I've got to say, my husband didn't even want to cut the umbilical cord. The obstetrician was literally forcing his hand to cut the umbilical cord. Oh, that's so ceremonial too, just (laughs) quietly. Because they go, here you go, you can cut. And I'm like, well, right, let's get down to, they're like, no, 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 champ, you're up here. So I cut and then they finish off with the little bit down Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't let you anywhere near the goods, like the. the, Actually, what's happening? Actually doing it. I think they do like women do it themselves now too. Really? Yeah, yeah. If the the situation allows, yeah. I love that idea. I'm so tangential going off the tropic here. But hasn't 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 the woman done enough at that point? Cut your own umbilical cord for crying out loud. (laughs) Well, I think it's more of a like, yeah, it is ceremonial. You get to cut that ribbon. This is your job. You did this. I love the idea of women catching their own baby. Yeah. I think that's that sounds amazing. Although they are pretty slippery. I'd maybe worry that they just (laughs) Uh oh! <laughs> yeah, well, you parent don't do it over the time. over the edge of the bed or something like that. you'd have some <laughs> yeah. sort of something there. Yeah. In don't case, rub them in know. suds beforehand. Just or put a net down. <laughs> yeah, you too. Career as midwives, I can see it now. <laughs> right after we Christmas by Zoe, we yep. can move on. That we our job first for the next couple of years. Then you guys can be midwives and move into that sphere of your life. Well, thanks for the five-year plan. I wasn't expecting to have my life so sorted. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Half an hour of radio. That's awesome. what the parent panel is here for. Uh, but thank you so much, both of you, for coming in and sharing your thoughts and opinions. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. That was Zoe Norton Lodge, performer and author of Elizabella Meets Her Match and comedian Andrew Barnett. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.